0: Good morning. Could do better. Morning. All right. Hey, welcome to Grace. Why don't you grab your Bibles at this time and uh, turn with me to the book of Proverbs? book of Proverbs is uh, pretty well right in the middle of your Bible. If you open it up to the middle, you'll find Psalms. The very next book is the book of Proverbs, and uh, you can begin this morning in Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, we will be through an assortment uh, of Proverbs, so just find your place there in Proverbs 11 and be ready to flip. Uh, We will be looking at many, many Proverbs as we continue our sermon series on friendship entitled Better Together. Better Together. Glad you're here with us. I trust that you uh, have your Bible open and ready. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump into our sermon this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself afresh to us this morning. Lord, on this very um, significant subject that we have been pondering for the past few weeks, that of the type of friends that you want us to be, the type of friends that you want us to have, and the type of friendships that you desire for us as Christians, that our friendships would be centered upon your son, Jesus, for his glory, for the good of the gospel, for the healing and the salvation of the world, and for for our joy, uh, because friends are a great, great gift that comes from the Father of lights. You are the giver of all good things, including friends, but your, your, your best gift that you have given to us is your very son. Because, Father, we did not know you, we were uh, aliens to you, we were uh, altogether separated from you and in rebellion to you, and yet in your great love for us, You sent your son, Jesus, so that we could not only be his friend, but that we can be your friend, simply through faith and in faith alone, and his perfect life lived for us. His substitutionary death died for us and his powerful resurrection so that we might have both eternal life now and forever, and we could be called friends of God. What an amazing gift you offer to us, and we are thankful for it. Father, open our hearts through the power of your spirit as we turn to the to the words of the book that he inspired for our benefit and for your glory. We pray in the name of Christ and all of God's people together said, amen. Well, it was uh, one late summer evening as a weary truck driver pulled his big rig um, into an all-night truck stop and restaurant. He sat down at a table and the waitress had just served him his food when three tough and rough looking motorcyclists pulled in and entered into the restaurant and began to identify this weary truck driver as one that they would give a hard time. One of the truck drivers grabbed the hamburger off the man's plate and started to eat it and the other took some french fries and threw it on the ground and the third took his coffee and spit in it and put it right back there and much to their surprise, the truck driver did not respond recipro- uh, in the same way, reciprocally. He, he, he rose from his table and he asked the waitress for his check and he left the money on the cash register and he walked out the door. And so the waitress uh, went to, to get his money and saw him drive off. And then she began to serve these three men that had been so so rough to him. And she went to the, the table of the bikers. And one of the bikers piped up and said, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? To which the waitress replied, I'm not sure if, if, if that's true. I'm not sure if he's a man or not. Uh, but he uh, sure ain't much of a truck driver. To which they said, What do you mean? She said, "Well, I just saw him run over three motorcycles in his way out of the parking lot. <laughs> well, for the next couple of Sundays, we are going to be looking at what I will call uh, threats, two major threats." to our friendships. Two major threats to biblical, Christ-centered, God-exalting friendships. This morning, we're going to take a look at the first threat to our friendships. It is the threat of personal sin. The, the threat of personal sin. And next week, we'll take a look at the threat of substitutes. That is, uh, uh, not the the real thing. Uh, substitutes to what is, what is real. So sin and substitutes. The two threats to biblical friendships. Uh, and of course we saw the first on display, right, in the story of the truck driver. Uh, that is the idea of personal sin. We can, uh, because we're fallen human beings, treat one another in a way that is well just flat out wrong and sinful and hurtful, and that is a major threat to friendship the way that God designed. If you were with us last week, you saw that we were in the book of Proverbs, and we saw four marks of, of biblical healthy friendships, right? We saw these four things that the proverb says, this is what a good friend does and this is what a good friend is to you. Um, and so what we're going to see this morning uh, is returning again to the book of Proverbs, not looking at four marks of a healthy friendship, but Proverbs also gives us quite a bit of insight on threats to biblical friendships. So we're going to be taking a look at four threats to healthy friendships again in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Jonathan Holmes in his book, The Company We Keep, identifies four proverbial threats. So here's here's kind of the the making of the sermon this morning. First of all we will see that hurtful speech is a threat to our friendships. Hurtful speech. Secondly, we will see that uh, various types of dishonest speech is also a threat to our friendships. Third, we are going to take a look at um, anger, as anger certainly can be a threat to friendships. And then fourth, jealousy. Jealousy being the fourth and final threat to biblical uh, friendship. So let's begin in Proverbs chapter 11, as we see the first threat to friendship revealed. And that is what I'll simply call hurtful speech. Speech that hurts our friends. Now, certainly we can, we can hurt our friends by what we say to them we'll get to that in a second. What we're talking about here when we talk about hurtful speech is is speech that we say not to them that hurts them, but speech that we say about them. See the distinction? Speech that we say about them. And yes, I'm talking about what is a familiar subject in, in most small towns, including ours, and that is the subject of what? Gossip, absolutely. The Proverbs is replete with references and teachings to this um, friendship-breaking sin. And it is the sin of gossip. So let's begin in Proverbs chapter 11, starting in verse 13. It says this, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. See, while a gossip betrays a friend's confidence or or, uh, uh, trust, a trustworthy friend keeps the secret of a friend. This is a simple contrast here that we see in our opening proverb, right? A gossip is one who can't keep a secret. A gossip is one who, who, who shares information about a friend that they should not Share. They betray their friend's confidence. While in contrast, the type of person that you want to be and the type of friend that you want to have is a trustworthy friend, a trustworthy person who can keep your friend's secrets, if you will. I really like what uh, the author Thomas Carlyle says about the keeping of secrets. He says this. He says, he who has a secret should not only hide it But hide that he has it to hide. Get that? I really like that. He should hide that he has it to hide. In other words, a true friend is absolutely trustworthy with confidential information. A true friend will keep their mouth closed when things are shared with them in confidence, but one who betrays that confidence is certainly on the fast track to uh, hurting or damaging or even losing that particular friendship. Well, let's move to Proverbs chapter 20, where we see a very similar proverb. Proverbs chapter 20 Verse 19, again, we see a proverb that speaks about this sin of gossip. There in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, it tells us that since a gossip betrays our trust, which is what we saw back in Proverbs 11, that we should be wise and careful in choosing who our closest friends are Notice Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, a gossip betrays a confidence. We just read that in verse 11, but then it adds this, a gossip betrays a confidence, so what should we do? So the proverb says, avoid anyone who talks too much. Isn't that interesting that this proverb uh, says that a gossip is one who talks too much. They can't keep their lips shut. They instead betray the confidence of their friends. We should be wise in choosing our friends and wise in avoiding those that are known as gossips. Uh, In particular, we should be wise in avoiding maybe women like this in this Andy Griffith clip.
1: Get yourself a candy bar. No. <laughs> I just didn't want the boy to hear. Speaking of people trying to hide their age, do you know the real reason Rose Blake went to Raleigh? No, why? I thought she went up to visit her niece. That's her story. I happen to know she went to buy a new set of teeth. She is the fame! Oh, do it. She will be. She will be. Morning, ladies. My goodness, don't you look happy. Must be cutting somebody up pretty good. <laughs> oh, I was just funny. Howdy, right, Fred, could I have some sulfur powder? Andy, are you hurt? Oh, no. Barney just cut his finger a little bit, taking his gun apart, and I don't even get an infection. Uh, here's a sample. You might as well sprinkle the whole thing on it. All right. Much obliged, Fred. Bye, ladies. Bye, Andy. Just a little cut. And he can run all the way over here for sulfur powder. All the way? Emma,
0: the courthouse is just across
1: the street. All the same. I think there's more to this than meets the eye. (laughs) Oh, he says it's a scratch on his finger. But I notice he's calling on one of those miracle drugs to heal Barney. Oh, dear, I was right there when Andy came rushing in. Barney got his hand caught in the revolver and got himself a serious infection. Well, the way I heard it, Barney was cleaning his gun or something, and he ripped his arm clear up to his shoulder. You hear the terrible news? Barney Five shot himself in the chest.
0: Now I know none of you have ever been involved in conversations like that before. Um, you know proverbs says that a gossip betrays a confidence, right? So we should be wise. We should be careful to avoid one who talks too much, if you will. So let me let me begin to ask some questions here both of myself and and yourself as we begin to apply this first uh, weed that can grow in the garden of our friendships, that of hurtful speech that of that of gossip, I wonder if you are more in line with the gossip described here and displayed on the the video that we just saw, or are you described more as the proverb says, a trustworthy person when it comes to the privately shared details in your friends lives? I wonder, have you ever had a relationship hurt? Uh, or even lost, because either your friend shared some things about you that they should not have, or maybe you were the guilty party, should have kept something private. Of course, we should flip the question. Maybe we have been the, the hurtful friend. Maybe we were the ones who couldn't keep the secret. If either has happened to us, we know. We know that this is a real threat in our friendships, is it not? It is a real threat. So, We've seen hurtful speech in Proverbs 11, and in Proverbs 20 is a real threat. But not only is hurtful speech a threat to our friendships, but dishonest speech as well. Dishonest speech is the second threat that we see revealed to us in the book of Proverbs, which is also a threat to our friendships. So turn with me now from chapter 20 to chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse 28 is where we see this this second threat of what I will call dishonest Speech uh, being revealed to us. As we turn then from from gossip or hurtful speech to dishonest speech, what we do is we we move from from sinful language and sinful speech that happens behind our friends' backs, right? Because that's what gossip is. To a, a form of speech, sinful speech that happens not behind their backs, but directly to their face, right? Dishonest speech. See how w- gossip and, and its cousin slander happens sort of behind the scenes, does it not? But, but lying and flattery, the two types of dishonest speech that we'll see next, lying and flattery, it happens face to face in our Friendships. So let's focus our efforts on one proverb in particular that highlights both flattery as a form of dishonest speech and simply lying. So Proverbs 26, verse 28, reads this way A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works. Ruin. Again, we see parallel truths being revealed in the Proverbs. A lying tongue, a a person who is known for dishonest speech, in doing that, actually hates the people that it hurts. And then similarly, a flattering mouth leads to ruin both in their own life and in the life of their friend. I think this is a really helpful verse because we see two different forms of dishonest speech mentioned, don't we? We see lying and then we see flattery. And this proverb does what? It links them together, does it not? We see that lying and flattery go together. There is a direct relationship between the two. See uh, uh, what we see here is that um, lying is is telling your friend something that 's simply not true right? We know what that is. We all know what lying is It's it 's telling them something that is uh, flatly not true. but what about flattery? What is flattery? Well, to flatter our friend is is to offer them. Uh, What I would call excessive praise, if you will. Excessive praise through, through flattery, right? It's, it's often untrue, it's often insincere, and it's often motivated by self-interest. That's what flattery is. So in other words, flattery is sort of the positive, uh, the positive form, if you will, of lying speech or a, dis- a dishonest tongue and this proverb and others reveals to us that when we think through flattery that we might actually be helping our friend, that we're actually being nice to them or maybe building them up through flattery. In reality, all we're doing is is setting them up for disappointment, disillusionment, and a, a broken relationship. So we have these two forms of dishonest speech that certainly can hurt our friendship, that of out and out lying and that of flattery, and they go together. So we need to begin to think about our own Relationships, our own friendships, in particular our own uh, ability as a friend, and ask, is there any sort of dishonest speech? Is there any dishonesty in our friendships? In the way that we, we relate to those that we consider friends, it could, could, could it, it be that our relationships are marked with both? Lying and or flattery. My my hope is that we aren't telling our friends blatant lies, right? Just just big whopper of lies. But I wonder how often in our friendships and in our relationships, for various reasons, we sort of bend the truth. We We tell what's called as little white lies, right? Jonathan Holmes, again in his book, insightfully writes, quote, Most of us probably don't think that we're dishonest with our friends in this way. But consider, how about telling your friend you will pray for him or her, or offering some kind of practical assistance, I'll do this or I'll do that, and then we don't follow through or even follow up, he writes. Or how about this, how about declining or canceling an opportunity, maybe to get together with them, passing off a minor reason as the core reason. You ever done that with a friend before? We should begin to think not only about dishonest speech that is lying, but about, about flattery. I wonder often if our relationships and our friendships are marked with flattery, and we're not, we're not even aware of it. For instance, maybe it's, it's, it's telling their, your, your friend, man, that, their, that their, their roast is the best thing in the world, when in reality, you don't like it at all. Or that, man, you, you, your house, you redecorated it, and I love it. But in reality, you would never do that in your own home. You don't like it. Or, or their haircut, or, or whatever it may be. You know, I'm not saying that, hey, you should say, your house, it's awful. What were you thinking, right? But you don't have to lie about it either. You don't have to flatter them just to garner their acceptance. Maybe it's, maybe it's pretending to share an interest with someone simply because you want them to be your friend. But you really aren't interested in the thing that they're interested in. Or maybe it's, it's, it's pursuing a relationship, pursuing a friendship with someone, not because you really want to get to know them or because you really want to be their friend, but because you know that they are a, a gateway to other people, to other networks, to other relationships that you really don't want to be friends with this person. You want to be friends with these people. And that guy or that gal, that's the way to do it. All of these, I think, could be flattery in our friendships that we may not even be aware of. Again, Holmes insightfully writes, dishonesty in our friendships is, is fertile soil for misunderstanding and for offense. He says it thrives in the small, dark corners of our half-truths. So friends, I wonder, how has dishonest speech, maybe it's blatant lies, or maybe it's little white lies, or maybe it's the insidious sin of flattery, how, how have those affected your friendships how how have those affected your relationships certainly it is one of the weeds in the garden that can choke out a budding and growing friendship well we've seen a couple threats and i want us to see a third and that is the threat of anger let's look at proverbs chapter 22 proverbs 22 flip backwards just a few chapters proverbs 22 verses 24 through 25 reveals to us yet another threat to our relationships and to our friendships. It's the threat of anger. Verse 24 reads this way. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, verse 25, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. See, this proverb warns us, right, not to become friends or uh, close friends with people that are hot-tempered or who are easily angered. Why? What does the proverb say? Verse 25, Or you may learn their ways. In other words, their anger and their angry ways may rub off on you, or their anger might incite or entice you to become an angry person. Maggie uh, Scarg, has written in, in a short article in the New York Times, one time she wrote about, about anger and how it feels uh, in the moment, and I really like what she had to say. She said this. She said, Getting angry can sometimes be like leaping into a wonderfully responsive sports car. So you should imagine that in your mind for a second. It can be like hopping in, leaping into a, a wonderfully responsive sports car. Pick your sports car, right? Gunning the motor taking off at high speed, and then discovering that the brakes are out of order. That's a great picture, I think, of what it feels like to to, to jump in that car, right, and and to speed off uh, in anger and then realize, oh boy, this is a deadly weapon, is it not? This is something that can really do some damage. See, anger is a dangerous killer in any relationship, in marriage, and and certainly with our friendships, right? Right? And I think that anger, as we've talked about in sermons past, I think that at the heart of anger um, is is some sort of um, inordinate love. There's there's something that we value too much, more than we should. and, And then that thing is threatened, and so we respond with anger. And in friendship, I think anger often emerges from unmet expectations. Because you must know that when you have any relationship, a marriage relationship, a friendship relationship, there are expectations on both sides, right? There are expectations put upon you, and there are expectations that you have. And within a friendship, when those expectations aren't met, oftentimes the response can be sinful anger. So if my friends don't give me what I'm expecting of them, maybe it's it's attention, or maybe it's it's A certain amount of time, or maybe it's a certain amount of affection, or an infinite number of things that we anticipate out of that relationship, then we are tempted to respond by being angry to that so-called friend because they are not meeting our expectations. And with anger, as you well know, there are generally two types of anger. There is what I would call hot anger, and cold anger. Now, hot anger is what we typically expect uh, when we think of a person who is angry, right? They are red in the face. They have their uh, fist clenched. Uh, it's the type that where fits of rage and, and verbal assaults and arguments and harsh words are being said, right? It's when you're really having a, a nice verbal argument and you get angry. That's, that's one type of anger and certainly unmet expectations in a, in a, in a friendship can lead to that. But friends, I wonder in your relationships and in your friendships and in mine, I wonder if maybe we often display more the cold type of anger. It's, it's, it's distancing yourself from them. It's pouting to them. It's, it's sulking. It's sarcasm. It's cynicism. It's, it's being more irritable with them than you once were because underneath all of that, you're angry at them because they haven't met your expectations. So I want to ask us, as we think about our friendships, is there hot anger? Maybe there's cold anger. And if so, then we need to ask why. What expectations do you have of your friend? What expectations do they have of you that are maybe not being met? Are they voiced expectations? Are they reasonable expectations? Friends, Proverbs tells us that we should beware. That if we have an angry friend, what? You may learn their ways and you may get yourself ensnared. And many of you, and me included, in our friendships, boy, haven't we been ensnared by this, this threat of anger? Well, there's a fourth. There's a fourth and final proverbial threat, and it's that of jealousy. That of jealousy. So turn with me to Proverbs 27. Turn to the right in your Bible, just a few pages. Proverbs chapter 27. There in verse 4, we learn of a fourth and final proverbial threat to our friendships, and that is, oh boy, it's a hard one. It's a killer. It's that of jealousy. <clears throat> verse 4 reads this way. Anger is cruel, and fury overwhelming but who can stand before jealousy man that's a great proverb while anger it says the anger of a friend and the fury of a friend can be cruel it can be overwhelming to you when they demonstrate that to you but this proverb heightens the threat of jealousy does it not this proverb says that weathering the storm of a jealous friend may be even harder than weathering the anger or the, uh, the outburst of an angry or furious friend. Because this is true, Proverbs warns us against jealousy in relationships. It can be destructive both to the one who is jealous and to the one who is jealous against. Now, what is jealousy in anger In in relationships look like. While anger involves unmet expectations, jealousy involves unmet aspirations. Did you catch that? While anger in friendship involves unmet expectations, jealousy in relationships often involves unmet personal aspirations. See, with jealousy, we turn our attention to the areas in which, in our friend, we perceive that they have more of, that they are better at, that, that, that that's something that we want. They're better than us. They have more than us. This is something that I want, and, and, and I, there's, a, there's a perceived sense in which we want that, and we look inward, and instead of being thankful and content with who we are and what we have, we look at our friends, and and, and jealousy begins to take root in our hearts. Again, Jonathan Holmes points out on this point, once we start to focus on what is missing in our lives, jealousy tempts us to begin manipulating people and circumstances in order to get what we want. He writes clearly, persistent jealousy and biblical friendship cannot Coexist. I want us to watch this short clip. It's about three minutes. It's a, it's a story of a friendship between two ladies, Amy and Aaron, and how jealousy almost destroyed their friendship. I want you to ask yourself as you watch it does this sound like anywhere, any, anything I've been, any, any, anything that's going on in my relationships? Let's, let's play that together.
1: Aaron and I were friends before we were in community. I started coming to church and she spotted me from afar and invited me to hang out with her in her community group. My past involved a lot of inappropriate relationships and partying, and that just wasn't something that was part of Aaron's life. Erin was grounded in her walk. She knew scripture, she knew which studies to go to, and um, she was very solid in her prayer life. I was jealous of that, and I didn't want um, her to judge me on not having that. So I started to get upset with her when she would have the life that I wanted because I wanted her to hold back and wait for me to catch up. Aaron had dated, started dating someone that was really a neat guy, and I felt like we should make some time for our friendship while she got to know um, her new beau. And she felt like it would come as um, she got to know him better. And I wanted to, I wanted to stay friends just as we had been. I didn't want anything to change. I wanted her to be with someone, but I didn't want to be second fiddle to her. Aaron and I had a really bad fight and what led up to that was a conversation we'd had on the phone that ended up in us hanging up on each other multiple times when i did approach her to ask her forgiveness um actually it didn't go so well we sat in the car and um there's a lot of cussing and crying on my end um i think i got out of the car and slammed the door she knew her boundaries and i wanted to just barrel through all of them and get it over with um i fight um fast and furious and Erin um, wanted to take her time and to let the dust settle before she um, got emotional and um, got her heart involved and it was hard it was so hurtful we didn't speak for um, I would say at least a month maybe longer I had reached out in an email asking her if um, how she was doing and if we could talk she wasn't ready she needed some time um, she didn't hate me but she definitely was hurt and I um, I, I felt that that was exactly how she should have, um, replied. In time, my heart continued to ache and hurt over how I had acted, how I had treated her. Um, my heart just was broken for how I had broken hers. So I showed up to her house and, um, asked her for forgiveness for, um, the tone I had taken with her. And, um, I apologized for my jealousy and just how I had let her become an idol in my life. Owning my part in the um, brokenness of our friendship was just hard. Um, Understanding what pride really is, is so hard and ugly and um, it just doesn't feel good. And I realized that um, this was an excellent time for the Lord to just humble me and show me that um, jealousy has no place in a friendship. Jealousy has no place in my life. I often set really high expectations for other people without telling them. Um, That's just not fair. But um, because of our love of Jesus and um, our willingness to put our friendship before our own pride and our own struggles, we've made it through. And um, I count Erin as one of my closest friends, and she's definitely a sister that has um, brought me closer in my walk with the Lord.
0: So I wonder, friends, as we uh, ponder uh, this friendship killer of of jealousy, if the tentacles of jealousy are reaching its ways into your heart, maybe to the heart of one of your friends, tearing a friendship apart. Well, we've seen four proverbial threats. I want us to close this morning by taking a look at what the Proverbs teach us about the consequences of these personal sins in our friendships. In other words, what happens what happens in a relationship when we have jealousy, when we have, when we have anger, when we have both dishonest speech and when we have hurtful speech? What, what could happen? Well, Proverbs teaches us about that as well. Three things really quickly. Number one, damage can be done, distance often ensues, and difficulty in restoring the relationship often results. If I could summarize what the Proverbs teaches about these threats— And the consequences of them, one, damage is done, two, distance occurs, and number three, difficulty in restoration is going to happen. Let's take a look at these rather fast. Number one, damage is done. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9, "...with his mouth, with his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor." But with knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. Here we see the proverb speaking generally about the damage done by the, the lips, by the words, with the, with the, the mouth of, of a godless person, and certainly that includes jealousy, it can include anger, it can include dishonest speech, all of these things that we've talked about. We see that with a mouth, we can do damage to our neighbor, and certainly to our friend stories told of uh, Winston Churchill. It was his last year in office, and he was attending an an official state ceremony, and of course he was sitting uh, on the front row, and a few rows behind him were two of his colleagues, colleagues that he knew, that he had worked with, trusted colleagues, and uh, they began to whisper about him. They said, you know, they say that he's getting old and senile. They said to one another, he should step aside. He's no longer a viable leader. He should, he should leave it, the, the running of the country, to somebody else. And they started to, to talk about him, thinking, of course, that he wouldn't hear. And when the ceremony was over, as the story goes, Churchill turned around and looked at these two men whom, whom he counted as, as friends, and he said, gentlemen, uh, they also say of him that he is deaf, right? And he's not. I wonder if damage was done in that relationship, of course it was, right? Because the, the, the mouth of a godless person destroys their neighbor. So there's damage done. Number two, there's distance. And that's, of course, natural, right? When we hurt one another through gossip, when we hurt one another through dishonesty, when we hurt one another with angry words, when we hurt one another with, with jealousy in our hearts and jealous words, not only do we do damage, but Proverbs 16.28. Proverbs 16.28 says that distance occurs. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip does what? Separates close friends, right? Just as a perverse person causes conflict among people, so the proverb says that a gossiping person separates close friends. Now that's true third party, right? If there's a third party who's telling one friend lies and gossip, it can hurt a friendship. How much more so when the friend is doing the gossiping? So let's connect the two consequences. What happens in our friendships when we sin against one another? Certainly there's damage and and then there's distance, right? Relational damage causes relational distance. When damage is done, distance develops. And third, and uh, most maybe hitting home for us, there's difficulty. There is difficulty in restoring that friendship. Notice what Proverbs chapter 18 verse 19 says. I like the imagery here. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Simply put, what this verse is saying, the first half says that when a brother or a friend, can be can mean either in Hebrew, a friend or a relative, when we wrong our friend, that that friend can be unyielding that they can be more unbending. They can be harder to restore to us than storming a well-fortified city. Let's look at some pictures here. Similarly, it says that, that they can be like, like trying to move the barred gates of a citadel. In other words, if you were to go and to, to go to a city like this one uh, in, in Spain, and uh, if you were to go and to, 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 to push on those walls, you think they're going to be yielding to you? No, they're going to be hard, right? And this is a picture of of what would sort of be the gates of a citadel, right? The gates within one of those fortified cities. And and the image is if you were to try to to up and and uproot that that gate, of course it's going to be difficult. It's going going to be challenging, right? It's going to be unyielding. What this proverb is saying is, listen, sometimes when we hurt our friends through our sin or when they hurt us through their sin, winning them back is going to be like, like pushing those walls it 's going to be like trying to to, to, to move the barred gates it 's restoration though not impossible by any stretch will be hard because there 's woundedness and there 's hurt and there 's pain and but by the grace of God, we can heal those relationships so here 's how i 'd like to close i 'd like to close this sermon as we've thought about proverbial threats to our relationships and to our friendships. Jonathan Holmes in his book writes this. So having reviewed these various threats to biblical friendship, let us be reminded, and it's an important reminder, that any relationship seeking to glorify God will come under attack. Friends, if you want to glorify God in your marriage, if you want to glorify God in your friendships, then you will be attacked. There will be difficulty there. Instead of allowing, he says, the world and Satan in our flesh to tear apart and break down our friendships, however, let us instead learn to walk in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If not for the grace of God in our lives, we quickly revert back to old practices, like the ones we've been talking about, that develop uh, that develop uh, the God-glorifying friendships. Each day, let us earnestly seek God's grace and mercy to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we've received, and then to show that grace and mercy to our friends. So friends, there are threats. There are real threats to your friendships, but they are not overcomable. As we walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, as we grow in maturity, as we receive grace and mercy from God, we offer grace and mercy from God and our friendships grow and flourish. But let's watch for those weeds. There are four weeds. We need to watch for them. We need to pull them out of the garden of our friendships so that they can be grow, grow healthy and strong and be honoring to God. Here's how we're going to close this morning. I'm going to read a scripture, and I'd like for us all to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 together. And I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of God's word as we close this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, a great admonition as we leave today. I'll read it if you would read along with me, please. Here we go. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Let's bear with one another in love and our friendships. God bless you. See you next week.